It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You can find the podcast on Himalaya, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and I'm laughing because Joe and I are having this ridiculous argument about whether it's GIF or GIF. And on the one hand, I recognize that people can pronounce it either way and it's fine, but Joe's like offended that, that I choose GIF. And that the creator of the word agrees with me. The creator of the graphic interface format agrees with me. And Joe has gone on these tirades about how Play-Doh was invented for something different than is used for now. Bubble wrap was invented for something different than it's a lot of wallpaper stuff that was misconstrued. You know, they're trying to inventions came. It was a real big boom for wallpaper, I guess. They they keep (laughs) screwing up wallpaper. Yeah. And turn it into other useful things. But my point is, none of that matters. This is a linguistic argument. And Joe's like, all right, I'll look up words that have changed the pronunciation over time. And Mm -hmm. A, the layman pronunciation of that term forever in most of the world has been GIF. And in a poll seven years ago, it was about a 60-40 split. And uh, in a 2014 article, it was like a... Uh, a 70-30 split, and then in a 2017 graphic that somebody posted that was the entire world, Russia, of all places, says GIF the most, and the United States and Canada, this North American English, are about one to two to one. So there's still that similar split that we've seen for the last seven years, eight years. And I think you just like to tread against the water sometimes, and that's where your GIF part is coming in here. When I first saw it, I said GIF in my head. It never, I'd only seen it typed for the first probably 10 years that I was in contact with that word. And when I first heard somebody say GIF, I was like, you mean GIF? And that's, that's all it is. For most okay. people, they, they read it for years before they heard it. Right, correct. Very correct. Like meme. I didn't know what meme, how to meme. pronounce it. Yeah, until always meme. Said, Did oh, you no, think it was meme? Yeah. Like, like a French no word? Idea. Right. No yeah. clue. Anyways, so my points are that inventions very often through history. Irrelevant. Purpose. Let me just finish. Irrelevant. These are my, these are my points. Are you had your, I let you speak. Now I'm going to speak. So inventions very often and very commonly get repurposed for a better use through history. Also, words and the pronunciation of words change over time through cultures and through different languages. And there are plenty of examples. I quickly Googled it and was hit with a number of 
lists that you can look up and see how things were different. Antique, here's one right in front of me, used to be um, antique. Now we say antique, okay? There's, there's, there's 20 of them sitting here in this one page. There's so many times where it's like, and, and you think the advent, the inventor of, no, it's an it's antique. It's antique. And you think the inventor is still going to hold on to it? And be like, no, guys, we're going antique shopping. I'm not listening to you. Are you done? I'm done. Inventions are irrelevant. This is a linguistic argument. Second, this, all so the examples the, the that you've come up with, you said you were going to let me talk. The gift was an invention? Yeah, and it's still used for the same thing it was invented for. Okay, but the but the world has repurposed the. No, that's bullshit. They've <laughs> when it came out, nobody knew how it was pronounced, and everyone made up their own pronunciation. And that's how it works sometimes. And that's fine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm also not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just yeah, said, you oh, are I saying believe... I'm wrong. I just said I couldn't believe you were a jiffer. That means you think I'm wrong. No, it doesn't. It's inherent. It's like, it's like if I was like, man, what? You voted for this guy? I can't believe it. Second, your okay. argument about words changing pronunciation over time, you haven't come up with a single example that is a change from a soft G to a hard G or vice versa. That and all so of your examples narrow. are changes in vowel pronunciation, which linguistically, of course, is the most likely thing to change in pronunciation. You're getting way too technical for me. We're going to talk about no football idea what, now. what you're even talking about. We're going to talk about football now because Joe and I clearly can't argue about words. <laughs> I failed English. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> We're counting down the days until kickoff, Joe. Yeah, we are. Uh, we how, went many, through... how many days? <laughs> what, what are we at now? Is it 80? It's actually 81, right? 81? It was 83 two days ago. I think so. We can, we can agree on numbers. Um, well, maybe. Anyway, uh, we are pretty far behind. There mm-hmm. are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, twelve players before we get to eighty-one. That that where those numbers currently for the Bengals. Right. We went through the first four um, a couple days ago. We forgot about it in the last episode when we we were going to do questions. So we will do questions again today. But first, we're going to try to play a little bit more catch-up and go through how many more numbers do we want to do today? Uh, Six? Well, I was going to say four. Yeah, we could do four. And then four again tomorrow and then catch-up next week. Yeah. Okay. We're doing this on the fly, folks. As you can tell. It's so the, the numbers season, are right? 95. Yes. That's 94. Now Ren. And that's Sam Hubbard. 93. Andrew Brown. And 91. Exactly. There's no 92 on the roster right now. And 91 is Josh Tupo. That's right. The first number we've skipped. Let's see. We did 99. We did 98. We did 97. We did 96. Well, first we'll number we've numbers. skipped is 92. Right. And when well, we get to the end, I mean, we're going to skip number one and two. There's no number one and two. So, I mean, it's going to happen. There's no number one in Bengals history. Fun really? fact. That's why John Ross isn't wearing number one and why he's wearing 11 instead. That's not true because you can't wear number one. Well, that, there, there was a thing. It was in the article. He wore one in college and he said no one in the article said no one in Bengals history has worn number one. So he went with 11. Well, he can't wear one if he wanted to, unless they change him the quarterback or kicker. Is but, that actually a rule in the NFL? Yeah, uh, you can have um, teens or eighties for. I didn't. I didn't know that the number rules were like an actual rule. I thought it was like oh, one yeah, of those were, unwritten rules. 
No, their rules, like Devin Hester could wear 23 because at one point he was a corner. And then Uh after so long, they just allow you to keep it. Yeah. Anyway. Rennell Wren is number one on our list to talk about today. He wears 95. He's a rookie from Arizona State, drafted in the fourth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. And not much to say that we haven't said during the draft season. So what do we think his outlook looks like for his rookie season? Red shirt. Yeah, I was going to say that too. And we talked about the other guys ahead of him on the last grouping of players, right? Because that's Atkins, that's Billings, and that's Glasgow. And we think yep. if those three are healthy, they're going to be the only ones active. You may get run out run active on some heavy run teams, maybe the Ravens. Uh, but overall, I think that may lead to, what, 10 snaps in a game? So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's sitting there with 150 snaps at the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see who they keep active and who makes the team. Because if Josh Tupo makes the team and they need a guy for rundowns, it's probably going to be him at 345 pounds. And if, I don't know, Andrew Brown, we have to see what he's going to do. Yeah, Those are other I like guys Andrew that, Brown. Yeah, and he's he's listed at 296. We'll talk about him in a couple minutes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just rehash a few things from the draft. He's a really strong athlete that didn't have very good production, and he's 23 yep. years old as a rookie. Yep. Explosive and powerful. Yeah. Being old as a rookie, generally not good. Being athletic as a rookie, generally good. Being a a first-year player on the defensive interior, generally not very good. So it depends on if they're, you know, what's the development path for somebody of his age? We saw Marcus Hunt be kind of an exception to this role when he went to the Colts and had a couple, has put together some, some some good playing time out there. He was old when he was drafted. He yeah. had development to do. He was a physical freak. Right. And Ronald Wren went later in the draft because with that size and that measured athleticism and the flashes, I think the upside flashes should have gotten him to the point where you're discussing him in the second round, I think. Uh, but his production and his on-field film, because film could be two different things. A lot of times I'll talk about an evaluation perspective. Or an X's and O's, do your job, are you helping the team perspective? And that's where Renault Ren is one of the worst players you probably that they drafted, I would say, last year. And um, he's a bit, he's a boomer bust pick, and there's a chance he flames out completely, doesn't even make the roster. I think that is within reason. Uh, but I do think there's enough upside that he will make the roster, red shirt, and you see what you have a year or two down the line. I wonder what percentage of fourth-round picks make the roster. I would, bet I would it's say most. most. Well, yeah, that would be 51%, but I think like 95 Like a vast majority, let's right. say. Yeah. I think like one gets cut a year. Yeah. Let's get on to the next player on the list. Last year's third-round pick. Is that yep. right? Third-round pick? Right. Yep. Sam Hubbard. Was it right. last year? Yeah. It was last year. Yeah. It's weird because it says... And Hubbard. It's weird because it says Sam Hubbard has two years of experience. He's going into his second year. And Andrew Brown has... I guess because Andrew Brown missed all last year. Exactly so right. So it says yes. one year, even though he's not yep. a rookie, technically. Exactly. This would be the scenario where if Brown's still here in a few years where he's a restricted free agent or exclusive mm. rights. Right. Right. So Sam Hubbard uh, went later than I think most expected in the draft last year. The Bengals picked him as a faller to yep. the delight of the Ohio State fans that also root for the Cincinnati Bengals. I had him projected to the Bengals in round two. So, yes, for me, I also thought uh, they got a good – bargain with him in round three Mm -hmm. i compared him very similarly to michael johnson and some people took offense to that i think it was mostly the ohio state fans but michael johnson had a very good long and solid career for the bengals and and unspectacular career he was good versus the run he was versatile uh he was a, a a team captain type guy and really 
someone they always wanted on the roster, and, and that started for them for a long time. He just was never an elite sack guy. And that's how I view Sam Hubbard, and even though I think Hubbard uh, showed last year a little bit more agility yep. and, and athleticism than I expected, even though he tested well in that area. Yep. I would say he had a lot of hustle plays, a lot of second-half plays. And I don't mean second half of the season, even though most of those happen. I mean second half of the play where he would finish it because he, he has a high motor and uh, because he has some athleticism and some, and some strength and really good hands. And I think you can win a lot of times with that. I just don't know what that means for him as an upside guy that it's probably going to be in some sort of rotation still. The good news for Sam Hubbard is he ranks sixth amongst rookie edge players in PFF grades with at least 200 snaps their rookie year. Right about the same grade as Bradley Chubb, who's a little bit worse of a pass rusher than Bradley Chubb was, but he was a better tackler. Um, he had 300 fewer snaps, but outside of Bradley Chubb was right up there for defensive stops as well, which... Pro Football Focus defines narrowly as, I'll tell you the exact definition. No, of a no. defensive stop. Oh, tackles that constitute a failure for the defense. So on first down, that is, offense. yeah, for the offense. So on first down, that's, I think, gaining four or less yards. On second down, I think it's three or less. And on third down, it's just getting off the field. Right, get the line to gain. Yeah. Right. So Hubbard, I think, will still rotate at with Michael Johnson. Uh, nah, not with Michael Johnson, with Carl Lawson at the right defensive end spot. Michael Johnson is now gone. He may get some snaps at, at left end. He may get some snaps at defensive tackle splitting with Kerry Wynn or whoever, whatever they figure uh, is going to happen there for the nickel package. He will play. I just wonder um, still if his upside is going to be capped or if he's going to be capped into a role where he can't have as much passing game production as I think we'd like to see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think he'll be the first defensive end off the bench for like all situations because he can right. be on the field on any down. Yep, I agree. And I think the ideal trajectory for him in year two is like something like TJ Watt. Just comparing mm-hmm. guys from first year grades to second year grades of pro football focus. TJ Watt as a rookie was right around seventy as well. And in his second year was better. Sure. I think TJ Watt is a much more um, but he's a much better athlete, and because of it, he can accidentally win much more. I think Hubbard's a little more technical, and I'm not trying to knock the comparison. I'm just saying why they're different. Oh, they're definitely different players. Like right. in terms of skill sets, they're very different players. In terms of production, I think that's his like ideal second year. Within, yeah, within like within, I guess feasible reason. As long as Watt wasn't out there with like nine sacks or something year two, he wasn't, was he? Uh. He had, yeah, I mean, he had a ton of sacks, but a lot of them are the cleanup variety. Yeah, and that's what I wonder if Hubbard could even get that many snaps to get to compile yeah. those type of uh, cleanup variety to get to right. nine, ten sacks. Watt was a full-time player for Pittsburgh, so, I mean, I just mean in terms of, like, per-snap production. I gotcha, yep. Yeah. On to the next one. Number 93. 93 days from kickoff, we should have talked about Andrew Brown, the... First, second, whatever you want to call it. He missed all of last year from Virginia. He was an undrafted guy, is that right? Or was he a seventh rounder? Fifth round pick. Okay, way off. My bad. Their first fifth round pick um, of three. And Brown was a defensive end in a 3-3-5 defense there in Virginia. And um, athletic. But you could tell he was a D-tackle in waiting. And anytime they allowed him to kick inside and rush from the nickel package, 
uh, you could see his first step quickness would really be interior lineman often. He really looked like a future three-tech type to back up Geno Atkins coming out of college. I thought it was a great pick. I would have taken him in a third round or so. Uh, so getting him in, the, him in the fifth, I thought was great value, great upside there. Honestly, I, I think he and Rennell Wren are very comparable for their futures on this team and this roster. I think we've overlooked Andrew Brown a lot because he missed the entire year. But as we talk about Darius Phillips and Devontae Harris on this roster, we should be talking about Andrew Brown because I really think he can make an impact. Do you think defensive line is anything like like wide receiver where if you just do nothing your first year, I have, have, it kills I, you? I wonder. I wonder too. You know, Because he, it's it's not uncommon for guys to not do something as defensive linemen, especially right. interior, especially right. making the transition to more inside. But I, I guess it's more a question of guys that miss their entire rookie year and how hard it is to come back from that. The Bengals have a lot of guys that are in this bucket. When I looked at this bucket too, especially at wide receiver – they usually get a new coach the next year too, and like oh, the Bengals just have. Coach. Yes, and right. Wow. And they, what happens is those people get forgotten. They're not my guy, so I have no investment. You missed all year last year, so yeah. you may be recovering from an injury. You may need help. You may, may need to be caught up more than anybody else. You may be rustier than everyone else on the team. It's not a good look for you. And a lot of times, uh, you end up on another team, and you may find your second half of your career with that other team to be a success. Fair enough. Interestingly. He was a consensus top 10 overall prospect coming out of high school. Do you know that about him? I did, yes. You Very did. athletic guy. You probably Big guy, also know guy. that he won the Gatorade National Player of the Year Award in 2013. Do not know that. There you Thank go. You. Fun facts from Bengals.com. <laughs> the next guy on the list is Josh Tupo. He is going into his third year. He's a giant of a man at 6'3", 345 pounds. Biggest guy on the team, right? Uh, yes, question. Cordy Glenn is 345. Yep, and he's taller. John Jerry, 340. He's also probably heavier than that. He's a tank. He's those are some monsters going at it. Can you imagine that one? Oh man. So, Josh Tupal, right? He is a yeah, my bad. Tupo, I don't know what it is. I think we got corrected one day. We did get corrected. I think it was Tupo. Somebody okay. will correct us again if we're wrong. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Anyways, he is a big body, nose tackle type. I think uh, he's just not talented enough to be a consistent factor or as effective as you'd like him to be. I think he's got some splash potential. There's a couple of pass rushes I remember last year. I think one versus the Chargers where he drove a guy, a center into the backfield, and someone else got a clean-up sack, and it was just amazing. But it's probably his best play ever. I can think of much more plays just off the top of my head, especially there was a Steelers game late in the year where uh, he got mauled over a few times. And because of it, uh, I just think he's on the outside looking in, but there is a chance he makes this roster because I do think they could want something more out of Andrew Billings at the nose tackle spot. I don't think Ryan Glasgow is a perfect fit at nose tackle. He's kind of a tweener. And if Ronald Rennett isn't jumping into that spot as a rookie right away, I don't think we should expect it anyways. There's a shot that Josh Tupou makes the roster again as the fourth guy, fifth guy, if they keep that many. He's been back and forth from the from the practice squad with the Bengals for years. Yeah. It's nice to have a guy you can call up that's a big body that can play a certain role, and you're not yeah. going to throw him out there for 50 snaps if you need to call him up. If they need to call him up and he's got to go play 15 snaps, he can do it. And he's been in the Bengals system. He was signed as a college free agent in 2017. On the practice squad in 17, was on the roster a little bit in 17, back to the practice squad until 2000. Well, I guess they re-signed him in 2019. Oh, yeah, he year. was cut. Yeah. 
also I, at one point, um, I think after a an arrest or a situation off the field. Hmm. Last name is pronounced Tupo. So we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll come back and take a few more of those questions from yesterday. And a, a few more came in. It's kind of a rolling mailbag, which is interesting because tomorrow is our dedicated mailbag day. It'll probably be a lot like today's show, though. And we'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We want to uh, bring up a note from a listener from yesterday. It's from Pete Brook, and uh, he says that we forgot some old-timers here because he calls himself, and I'll, I'll just read his tweet. He goes, old-timer here again. Love this question and a great great team selected. So this is from our all-time Bengals team we picked yesterday. He thinks Eddie Edwards, Reggie Williams, and Jim Breach may have gotten a mention, but how did you miss Bob Johnson at center? He's the only Bengal to have his number retired. Yeah, that's a mistake, right? I mean, it is. They don't is retire he the numbers. First draft pick of the Bengals, Bob Johnson. Is that why they retired his number? Maybe. Oh, I thought it was because he was good. I, I, maybe both. I don't know. Do you know, Jake, trivia time. We need music for this. I need a button to hit. <laughs> what number is Bob Johnson? Zero. Come on. His number's retired. Come on. I know this. I, I don't know. 60? No. You can't think of a war 60 before or anything like that? 55? TJ Johnson just. Mine does perfect. Just war 55. Yeah, he did. Shoot. Fifth, nope. Uh, nope, no idea. We well, see sweating, guys. It's 54. Yeah, I was never going to guess that. Yeah. I always wondered uh, why a linebacker couldn't wear that number. If you think about it, they only really ever had it in camp, and then they'd never give it out. Um, and I would create a linebacker a lot of times in Madden, and I'd uh, 54 is open until I learned those Bob Johnson that's retired, and I'd say, okay, I can't give him 54. There you go. Yeah, there's some good ideas. A few people had some mentions for us that that they wanted us to to talk about. Some people took some issue with our selection of Chad Johnson, saying Eddie Brown would have been their guy over Chad Johnson. I think Chad is maybe underappreciated somehow. He's the all-time leader. I mean, not even stat-adjusted, I bet he's the leader for receiving yards for the Bengals. Era-adjusted, I should say. He was very, very good. He did some very rare things. Yes. He's done things that even Green hasn't done. All pros and yada yada. Yeah. But also Jim Breach, the kicker, which we did mention him at the end, but uh, a few people said it has to be Jim Breach. You know what I did today also? There was a question on Twitter of the best quarterback performance you ever watched. Mm. And I said, uh, it's not the best, but Andrew Luck versus the Bengals was just, do you remember that in the playoffs, how magic he was and just making guys miss throwing with Carlos Dunlap around his legs touchdown passes I remember that one yeah he had like five drop balls on some dime throws anyways I watched the recap of that game and Mike Nugent hit a 57 yard field goal was the second longest in playoff history at the time Mike Nugent was was he our kicker I think he was 
Yeah. Or was it or was it Shane Graham? No, no, no. Yeah, we picked Shane Graham. I, that's what you mean. I meant Nugent was their kicker at the time. Yes. The the issue with breach is like kicking has developed so much. And you and think he just, wouldn't be as good now? I, I don't think that's one of those things you can really era adjust. I mean, right. maybe maybe it's like a practice issue. Maybe it's a techni- technique thing. Like if they taught him the the new ways of kicking, he would get it. He also wouldn't probably get a nice, pretty new kicking ball every time, huh? Back in the day, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably kicking point. barefoot. Mm, you think? Remember? No, I don't think so. But you remember barefoot kickers? No. You don't remember barefoot kickers? I'm 30 years old. No, I don't. I mean, but you've seen footage. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I used to watch NFL films like crazy when I was a kid. I I just I like the ones when the goalpost is in the middle of the end zone, and you'd see receivers hit the goalpost. That's such that's such a smart thing they did to move it out of the field of play. What were they yeah. thinking? It was two posts too, wasn't it? They yeah. didn't have the single post. Right. Man, that's dumb. Still do it in Canada, I think. That's right. We had a question. Who was your Canadian football league team? I don't know. Who, I don't know if we um, favorited that one, but I remember uh, it now. All of a sudden, yeah. do you have one? No. Because the CFL sucks. You don't like the the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Definitely not. Or the, my, I'll pick one. It's the Toronto Argonauts, just because they're the local one for us. Yeah, BC some, some has players. a team. Uh, they they play in Vancouver. What is? I think it's a BC Lions. It's a cat team. Mm. Well, then you're close, I guess. Cause you're cousins. The CFL is so bad. Come on, man! It's football. I've, I've got I've gotten in this well it's like it's like the AFL or whatever or whatever it was called. AAF? Was called? AAF? That was also bad. What? No, I enjoyed that. It's bad football. It doesn't have to be good football to be good football. It's bad football played in a pro style and it's just like you can tell yeah, I don't know, man. It's I'm about the quality of the play. And there you go. Yeah. That's that's I watch two issue. bad teams play. And still watch it for the evaluation part of it. Yeah, but it's brutal. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I still like to see guys wrestle and and throw each other down, try and oh, cover yeah. each other, and you know all that stuff. Yeah. I would watch you run a route, Jake. It's gonna be brutal, but it'd be I'd be interested. Yeah, at this point in my life, it would definitely be brutal. <laughs> we got a question then. I bet I could beat you though. And what? I, I could get open. Well, I've you've got the height advantage in this scenario. Height, I'm what are you talking so about? Six taller. foot tall. Right. And so I'm longer, leggier, and will oh. change direction way worse. Yeah, I'd definitely get open. That's fine. But I would catch a ball over top of you like Randy Moss. Anyways, let's go. I don't know. No, I just want to end it there. Go to the questions. We're just going, moving on to the questions. First questions. I got one here from D. Pice. I like this question. 716. My area code 716, although I think... We are not from the same area. Anyways, question. What is the biggest single franchise decision the Bengals made or didn't make to propel the organization to elite status? And DePice has an answer here. He says, not hiring Bill Walsh as the head coach once Paul Brown retired. And he knows there are others. And the second one would be not drafting Dan Marino. When you start to talk about guys they didn't draft, it gets like tricky. You can talk about any player for any team, right? Like. Everyone passed on Aaron Rodgers. Ten teams passed on Pat Mahomes. Shouldn't everyone have traded for Brett Favre? 
Yeah, everyone. Yeah, Brett Favre. Yeah, everyone should have traded for Brett Favre. Everyone passed on Tom Brady six times. Like, right. when you start talking about draft picks, it gets murky. But the draft decision that I want to talk about is not taking Mike Dicka's trade when he was trying to go get Ricky Williams. Hmm. What was the offer? I'm going to look it up. All, you th- all you of their picks. Yeah, but I want to see what it was specifically. So you tell me what your okay and you're your thing is. Roger that. I was going to bring up something more recent, and I don't know if this would have made them a, um, a an elite franchise, but I, I know it's a sign of not being an elite franchise, and that's not just straight up taking a second round pick for AJ McCarron and sitting there and saying, oh, "No, we God. want the third also." So you hold out and you let the Browns be the Browns and fumble it on on the one yard line instead of just taking the taking your turnover, taking your second round pick on, at the 50 halfway through the day like they could have uh, by all reports, rumors, and inside information. There was a second rounder available for days that they did not just jump on, which to me is insane and a sign of why they don't capitalize on value for their own players at times. It's that self-evaluation thing, right? Yeah, way too high on McCarron. And we've yeah. seen since then how the league values McCarron. So you had a chance to really rob someone. Hugh Jackson twice could have robbed him again. Yep. All right, so looking at the trade, New Orleans received the fifth overall pick in 1999, and Washington received uh, Washington's first, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round in 1999, and a first and third in 2000. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Who did they draft with those picks? Washington traded again out of the 12th overall pick, and they also traded their third and fourth Oh no! Sorry, they traded up, okay. Tra- packaging some of those some of those things up to seven and picked Champ Bailey. Oh, Hall of Fame pick, maybe the best corner in a long time. Yeah, for that for that era for that generation. Oh yeah, he was the best corner. Some of the other picks, they also got Levar Arrington the next year. Yikes, man! What a uh, second overall trade back for them. Second overall the next year. Yikes, man! Uh, hold up, what was what was the two thousand draft like? Hmm. I don't remember 2000. I was going to say 2001 was Vic and LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees. So the Bengals picked fourth in 2000. Oh, okay. They picked so that's... Peter Work. Yep. The players picked ahead of Peter Work were LeVar Arrington, Chris Samuels, an offensive tackle. Corey was Brown a... was the first overall pick that year. That didn't go very well. Chris Samuels was a multiple Pro, pro Bowl, All Pro. Pro Bowl, yes. All Pro, not noted. But yes. Okay. Maybe I was wrong on that. Also that year, Corey Simon, the defensive tackle mm-hmm. who played for Philly, Thomas Jones, who went on to be a great running back in Chicago, Jamal Lewis, who was obviously great in Baltimore, Brian Erlacher. That was a good draft. Uh, but there well, wasn't a quarterback there. There, there we were need no to talk quarterbacks. About Peter Warwick and his production is actually much better than I expected. And this is one day. We'll we'll bring up some old players and profile them, but um We've got something coming up for the listeners to debate and pick and choose, and I was just surprised at where Peter Warwick is ranked for the Bengals' all-time receiving list. There are two. There are two quarter. Yeah, we should talk about that. But I'm distracted reading about the 2000 NFL draft. There are two quarterbacks that I've found so far that went to Pro Bowls from the 2000 NFL draft. Okay. Who are they? 2000 draft Pro Bowlers, and so we don't have first rounders. Okay, right? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely this is a not bad, bad quarterback draft. Because 99 was Brady, right? 
So 2000 was Brady. That's one. Oh, 2000 was Brady. Okay, that's why. Okay, and then man, there was another than Brady. I thought they were all bums. There were um, Chad Pennington was the only quarterback picked in the uh, first round, but he he didn't go to a Pro Bowl. That's not the answer. Oh, I'll let you tell me that. All right, the listeners, you got a chance. It's Tom Brady. Pick the other one in three, two, one. Six round pick. Another six rounder. Drafted by the New Orleans Saints. One pick before the Bengals pick the Rackers. Mark Bolger. Mark Bolger. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if how many people remember Mark Bolger. If there was a if you're a young fan, Kurt Warner, greatest show on turf. St. Louis Rams, Mike Mart's offense, they were unstoppable. They were putting up insane, crazy video game numbers. I mean, honestly, when you when you played with them in, in Madden also, they were unstoppable. They were video game stuff. Um, and Kurt Warner ran his time. Mike Martz became the head coach after Dick Vermeil was gone, retired, I believe. And it didn't work out as well for them. And Kurt Warner moved on, went to the Giants, I believe. After he got hurt for a half a year, Mark Bolger came in and pretty much produced just like Kurt Warner did. It was I was like, okay, maybe this is the system and not Warner. And then Bulger was okay for a couple more years, and I think he made a Pro Bowl, and he had some good time. But you could see that the Rams and their franchise was dysfunctional, and everything blew up around them, and he just it didn't last long. So it was only a, a few years really booming. Kurt Warner was terrible in the, with the Giants. They drafted Eli Manning, 04, I want to say. Eventually, we know what happens. He re-sparked his career with the Cardinals, and it turns out it wasn't the system. Kurt Warner was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Man. It's uh, the Goodberry trip down memory lane there. I'm I'm looking at the 1999 draft now. Yeah. <laughs> Bengals picked Kelly Smith. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember. Surrounded by guys that are likely to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Donovan so, McNabb ahead of him. Edron James behind him. Torrey Holt, Champ Bailey. So I, this question is then, you think the 99 draft could have definitely changed their fortunes? Well, so the thing is, if they trade all the way back to New Orleans, pick at 12, mm-hmm. there, there's, they might take, like, the best player for them to pick at that point would have been Javon Kurtz, which would have been great. If they had ended up in the same place where Washington was, where they traded back and then traded back up, then the best player they could have gotten is probably Dante Culpepper or Champ Bailey. But if you want a quarterback, Dante Culpepper, and they needed one. Man, Dante Culpepper was fun, too. Mm-hmm. So fun. Man. Yeah. To go from Randall Cunningham, who had maybe one of the strongest arms of all time, to was it Cunningham to Brad Johnson, who had one of the weakest arms of all time for Randy Moss, and then to Dante Culpepper, who had a cannon, monster, big guy, and he would just hold the ball back there forever and just launch it 70 yards and Moss would track <laughs> it down. It was so fun. Yeah. Fun times. Andrew Wiggins, the tight end. Chris Carter. Ooh, the slot receiver's coming to me now. Jake Reed. Jake Reed? Yeah, I think so. Jake Reed was their um, slot receiver. I knew it was Reed because NFL Blitz was mm. 2000, 2001. Those are the two years that NFL Blitz was a thing for like Nintendo 64. That was fun. NFL Blitz was a blast. I crushed people at NFL Blitz up here, man. Remember NFL Street also? It no. was kind of like yes. this. It was very similar. It came out a few years after Blitz died down. I feel and like it was playing in like backyard kind of stuff. Yeah, it wasn't as good. No, but it was it was cool. Do we have any other questions we want to answer? We should take one more. All right, let's take one more. Um, I'm going to scroll down here if you can see one you've got. All right, I want to know if you can do this one, right? All right. Oh, there's two questions I like, but uh, I'll see if this one first, if you can do this. This is from PJ Foley, and he wants 
you to give your sales pitch to try and convince someone to become a Bengals fan. Oh, boy. So there's a free agent football fan. He'd like to become a a fan of a team, and he would like you to sell him on the Bengals. What would you say? I wouldn't. You would say don't do it? I would. Yeah. To save him of heartbreak? Just just because, like, I I remember, like, every so often Vance Meek, you know, Vance on Twitter talks about, you know what, I'm going to be a fan of a different team. Uh, or, like, pick up a second team or something like that, right? Because he's yeah. sick of the Bengals being the Bengals. And he's like, I'm going to go be – I'm going to be a Colts fan. And I'm like, man, why? Like, they have a quarterback and they're local, but pick a team that's run well, you know? Right, because the, the Colts are very, run very similar to the Bengals. I mean, they've had a string of success here. They've had a couple of really good drafts, I think, and and yeah. some really shrewd free agent signings, and they have Andrew Luck, which I mean, makes a big difference. You, you have the quarterback, and yeah, everything else is different. But I would I would say like if I was recommending a team to any person that wanted to become a fan of an NFL team, I'd say pick pick the best managed team, which New Orleans, Philly, L.A., yeah. yep, Kansas City, yes. Philly's a good one. I think uh, right, Kansas City's a good one. Also, who was I just thinking recently that's had some good drafts a couple years in a row? I, Buffalo has, but I, I don't want to um, throw them in there Buffalo yet because they anyway. haven't they haven't won yet. No, yeah. but they had they in the last ten years they've got new ownerships and new GMs and new coaches, and yeah. you can see things are differently run different. They're signing free agents again. Maybe the Chargers too. Buffalo wasn't the example I wanted. I'm trying to forget now who, who I thought. Man, recently they've really killed the draft. Bears? No. No. This is this was another question from yesterday that we didn't get to, and now I can't think of it. Shoot. It doesn't matter. So I don't know who I would suggest someone to go to. Do you but have I a think, sales pitch for the Bengals? I mean, it would have to focus around like Mike Brown retiring, <sighs> giving up control. Yeah, like he's giving up control. Zach Taylor's here. He seems like he's gonna be like. A mega genius. He's the next Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, Frank Reich, whatever. Yeah. It would have to center around that. But. Honestly, I, w- I would sell the the things that we complain about as positives. If I was selling it, I'd be a, I'd be a salesman. And I wouldn't care about twisting the truth. I'd be like, they're super loyal to their players. And then, like, that's things we hate, right? That they're overly loyal at times. Loyal to a fault. But I'd say, you know, they just... They stick with their guys no matter what. They stick with Andy Dalton, even though he's had his issues and struggles. They're committed to building around him. They're bringing a new offensive-minded young coach that is that should be on the cutting edge of today's NFL. And, that, and I'd feel bad doing that, but that's how, how I would do it. Yeah, if you had to. I mean, right. I would also just be like, go read, go read Hobson's Choice. <laughs> you, want, you want the most positive Bengals coverage out there. Go read Hobson's Choice. Talk to Logie B. Andy Dalton's the best quarterback in the NFL. The Bengals have never right. made a mistake. Right. I would say go talk to some super fans that um, definitely land on that side of being eternally optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say talk to us. I would say there's other people that can sell you on this. No, we're we're too we're too we're, we're not there. Uh, last thing we'll talk about real quick before we go to the break. Pro Football Focus put out their. Uh, Top five receiving duos in the NFL. I retweeted okay. this. Um, so you can find it on my timeline. You can find a link. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. The Bengals came in at number five. 
the receiving okay. duo of Tyler Boyd and AJ Green. It only went to five, so that was nice. I think a lot of it is on the strength of Tyler Boyd being yeah, really, he, really good. He had a really good year last year. Who are ahead of the Bengals then? Do you have any guesses? I'll give you a sure. hint. I'll give you two hints. Two of them are wide receiver duos. The other two are not wide receiver duos. Only so one a, of the two players is a wide receiver. It's a tight end is the other one? Well, and one of them is a running back. So so one okay, receiver so one. and the other two. All right, I'm going to say Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Yep, that is, is, is number the one. three. And I would say Julian Edelman and James White is not the, on the uh, list. Not on the list. That's not no. the Patriots running back one, huh? Nope. Then I will say it's Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. That's correct. That's number four. Yeah. So the other ones then are Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. Ridley had a lot of production, but I, I don't think he graded like elite right. for PFF. I will say then it's Odell Beckham and, and um, Jarvis Landry. Which was very surprising to me, but yes, that's number two. Which, right, because they, they don't love Landry, but he is productive. He's a volume producer, I guess. Right, volume producer is the best way to put it. So yeah. I'm missing one then, huh? Yeah, you're missing the number one duo. Oh, the fact. number one. That's probably going to be obvious then when I'm when I look at it. Um, but I'm 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 not thinking straight. What do you got for me? Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Oh yeah, for sure. Stephon Diggs, my one of my sons, one of my original sons. <laughs> yeah. He went in the fifth round. I had a first round grade on him in that yeah. draft class. I remember that. Yeah, it's uh, crazy how good Stephon Diggs is. Adam really Thielen also like came out of nowhere to be amazing. Was he undrafted or a seventh? Either way, that's we haven't had that in a long time. We had that TJ Hushman's auto where you're just like, man, this guy's good. And undrafted. look what they got him. Undrafted. undrafted. Amazing. He's fifth such o- a good route runner. Fifth overall graded player by Pro Football Focus at wide receiver in 2005, 2019. 2018. Yeah. Oh, I'll get there. One day. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I wouldn't argue against that. I think the list is fine. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you think should be on the list that didn't get on? I don't think they have an honorable mention here. You, I the guess Julio, you, you guessed Julio. Yeah, yeah. the Falcons. Because I also even thought Mohamed Sanu. That's just a really good trio. Mm-hmm. It's a good trio. Yeah, for sure. If you if you went to trio instead of duo. He'd be up there. The Rams get interesting. The Falcons get interesting. Yeah. Right. The Rams are only not in there because I don't feel they have a number one. No, it's it's a couple of number. It's like three number twos. Yeah, and that's fine because it's effective and they scheme them open. But I bet if they didn't have McVay scheming them open, we'd say they could really use a number one. Yeah, uh, I would say the the other one I wanted to mention was if Carolina had a receiver, or Curtis if, Samuel is surprisingly good. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. Like, he's not there yet. Right. Yeah, he's not that. He's good. For sure, he's better than we thought he'd be. But they didn't have oh, yeah. anybody who had a receiving grade in the receiving core higher than 74. And that was we actually talk, DJ Moore. We talk about John Ross, right? And we always say Juju Smith-Schuster as like, oh, the Bengals could have had him in round two or something. Uh, Curtis Samuel was, is actually the type and maybe the, the, the guy that would have been the better option for people to say. He's been... Re- he really took a, a year two jump for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And because of it... Uh, you know, he's fast. He can run after the catch. He can do the sweep stuff that the Bengals are going to do with Ross. If you want to make the argument, it's that Curtis Samuel in round two should have been the guy. But also, they drafted DJ Moore in the first round. So the Panthers, don't be surprised if with McCaffrey, that receiving trio next year is really good. And Greg Olson's still there, too. I know he's getting right. old and he's had injuries, but... Did they get him out of retirement? Did he retire and then come out? That's uh, that's a Dallas guy. That's, oh, that's Jason Witten? 
Yeah, that's what. Although, is Greg Olson retired now? He's he may been be around forever. He may have retired while you're on the depth chart now. He, he is retired. Yeah. Okay. He is retired. Or is he retired? No, he's not retired. He's going to do a bi-week broadcast. If we spend any more time on this, we're, that's it. Bi-week broadcast? What, he's going to play every other week? No, he's going he's gonna to broadcast on the Carolina bi-week, which is super weird. Oh, I see what you're saying. So he's got one foot out the door already. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's interesting. Uh, Sorry, this is boring to you. I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, I'm not bored. I'm not, not let the fans or the uh, listeners speak. Oh yeah. Well, the not. reason we're talking about this though, is because Christian McCaffrey had 108 catches last year. Yeah, insane. Which is nuts. Yeah. Which, Absolutely nuts. That draft class, right? Zero Fournette. drops. I know. It's crazy. Fournette goes. McCaffrey goes. Mixon goes. Kamara. Yeah. Uh, Kareem Hunt, <laughs> and, right? Really good running back class, and good class. Separate, separate Fournette. He, he might be on his way out. But uh, when I graded, I think most people agree with this: that Mixon and McCaffrey were the two best receivers, hands down. You watch him run routes, you watch them in their hands, run after the catch, catching balls over their shoulder. You you would say these guys are going to be Ladanian Tomlinson catching the ball, 75, 80 catches a year. Now here's McCaffrey getting a hundred. Mixon's nowhere close. Alvin Kamara is a premier receiving running back, and Kareem Hunt was decent for the Chiefs. But uh, it really nails it home that the Bengals are not using Mixon to his fullest to the first two years. But now they have an offensive genius running the team, and Joe Mixon will be used to his fullest. That is the hope, isn't it? Yep. That'll do it for us here at the Lockdown Bengals podcast for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the weekend mailbag. This has been an extended edition of the midweek mailbag and at least the uh, the countdown series because there's something to talk about. Yeah, keep us moving. Maybe we'll get some news one of these days. Maybe not. Until I think then. people send in questions, though, and it could be an all-week thing, and then yeah. we'll go hard on it on the Friday episode. Yeah. Just send us questions all week. We will try to keep track and we'll probably fail. So please don't get mad at us. <laughs> send multiple. Send them all. And and if we don't answer it, you can send it more than once. If we don't answer it like three times, we're probably not going to answer it. Or uh, we already did. Or we already did. Yeah, good point. Because that happens a lot. Anyway, let's get out of here. We'll see you next time, Bengals fans. Go find the podcast on all the regular suspects, Himalaya, Google, iTunes, Spotify. Tell your smart device to play us. We'll see you next time, Bengals fans. Have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.